3: The Late Lunch
0: with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone
4: Motors, Drada and Dundalk. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Packed show as usual a little later team carry the final countdown yes i popped into the final ever training session last night after 10 years and you can hear all about it after three on the show kathy mcgrain is with her she's 90 years young and going strong and i'm really looking forward to meeting her we'll also be joined today by grace mccardell she's manager at rape crisis northeast and when you hear the figures and the stories you will be shocked i'm looking forward to meeting grace as well first up on today's show we're all familiar with Seven, the hinterland festival, and the Boyne Valley's flavour initiative. Now they're all coming together in Kells from November first to third. That's the weekend after next to celebrate Irish food and culture, past, present, and future. To set the scene for what's sure to be a wonderful three days. I'm joined by one of our most famous Irish butchers, Hugh McGuire, is with us this afternoon. Ellie Kisionbe, founder of Our Table is in the house. Olivia Duff is here from the Headford Arms and the wonderful Brona Conlon from Listoke Distillery and Gin School. You're all very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. If I could begin with yourself, Olivia. Three powerful established brands now sound going back thousands of years and the other two as well. What's the rationale behind this?
5: Good afternoon, Jerry. Um sure, I suppose. This region, above all, has has shown that collaboration works and breeds success and it was really back in kind of May when Taste the Island initiative was launched by Fault Ireland. It's now been dubbed, you know, the, the longest um, and largest um, food festival in the world now. Um, they have 700 events for its inaugural year which was way, way past what they expected. And they came to Kelza with the roadshow with us into in the Hertfordshire Own brought the mobile farm into the garden and we put out all the stops and Tracy. Head of Food said, OK, we're expecting something really big from Boyne Valley now in on this. So kind of, you know, we've we've a great crew that work together in, in Boyne Valley flavours and we put our heads together. And Hinterland so established at this stage, um, such an amazing festival um, of arts and culture, but of conversation as well. And food is such a big part of that conversation. And Irish food is in such an exciting place. Um, and the the objective at the moment is to, to push the season out and drive things into kind of more winter time and that. So we, we said, why don't we celebrate food um, around a kind of a pinnacle time sound of course the liminal time uh, now with the Puka Festival as well it's you know we're the home of Halloween but we're going back further than that so we've collaborated Hinterland um, they've very kindly la- allowed us to use their brand and all of their box office and everything and the, the two teams have really really merged well on this so it's going to be a, a really a vibrant weekend of very important conversations demonstrations Conscious, uh, soul searching, I suppose, debate and debacle, and um, yeah, it's looking good.
4: Food is culture, culture is food. It, it really is a match made in heaven. That's, that's right, for sure. and we have it
5: for five thousand years in this region. It. So, I,
4: you know what? Do want to say on a national scale this this initiative nationally? I, I see the advertising each week in the newspapers <laughs> highlighting what's going on round <laughs> the country, and <laughs> we're such a powerful <laughs> country in this sphere, aren't but we? But it,
5: it's it, we're in such an exciting spot just mm-hmm. right now I've just come back from Food on the Edge and all of these you know Michelin Star chefs and really thought leaders really talking about Ireland now and where we are and we really have an opportunity and we've called out a lot of favours on this weekend and every single person I've asked to come to Kells said yes I never got one no unless they were away or something so um, you know they, they feel that this is an important conversation to have to celebrate our food. Food and culture.
4: Mm, your lineup is amazing and some wonderful names. Doreen Allen, I interviewed her just a couple of weeks ago, and she reminded me she was coming and wanted to be part of it as well. I see J.P. McMahon there. Mm. What a man that fella is! Yeah, <laughs>
5: he's, he's just—he's about to launch his book in the spring. Yes. um you know Irish food, so he—he's doing a demonstration celebration nose to tail, and he's also giving a talk on five thousand years, five foods from five thousand years. So, um, great great people coming coming. To the region.
4: Let's, uh, let's bring in one of our own from the region. Hugh Maguire you're welcome back to late lunch. The king of black pudding. Am I allowed to say that?
2: Well you can say whatever you want Jerry.
4: <laughs> <laughs> After the day he brought me a lovely little bag of the black pods here. Can I freeze some of it? You can of course. It's oh fresh. that's good to know anyway. Congratulations to you on the success of, of your black pudding and you are building on
2: this now as part of this festival. Tell us about it. Yeah look I mean it was great the last number of years since we won the, the first award, The Great Taste. We're building on that, that ever since. And as Olivia said there, you know, the food culture in Ireland is growing and it's, it's really, really strong. Like, we're just coming back from Dingle there, the food lost in the hair, now food on the edge. And our pudding was on the menu there as well. And back to Kells now into, in Sunday week. And, you know, it's, it's food is a language mm. and you can communicate with anybody about any subject through food, mm. any part in any part of the world. So it's great to be able to sit down and you can discuss your products with anybody really that knows what they're really mm. talking about.
4: Now, Doreena mentioned she's working with you. She's collaborating yeah. with you at the festival, and she's putting her imprimatur on the Black Pod. I, I, are you? Are you releasing a new?
2: A uh, brand of black pudding? No, 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 no. This is this is just. Uh, she's everyone, anyone that knows the arena, She's just passionate about the old forgotten skills. Yes, and she realised that this is a forgotten skill. There are not many people making black pudding with fresh pig's blood, and that is the only way it can be made—the artisan way. Traditionally, the month of November, the pig was killed, the pudding, the bacon was cured, and the pudding was made. made. And that was a tradition right across Ireland. That's almost gone. So she was delighted to come back up to come back and join me to do a live demonstration Sunday week, in you know at the event, which will be interesting.
4: So <laughs> you are going to make black pudding in the traditional way, your own recipe there and then on the Sunday.
2: Yeah, well, no, she, it won't be my recipe really, but it will be. It, it, Drina wants to make sure I put some pork fat into it. Okay, so, so she's
4: she's adding a, a nuance
2: to your yeah, recipe, like, is she, that it? what she remembers as a child herself. Okay, when she was making on on her farm. So right. we and, and the combination of both, we'll come up with some. And you know, it, every pudding throughout Ireland, right across Europe, is different. But they generally use local ingredients, mm. and it from the area. Be it rice, be it fruit, be it nuts, apples. If you're in France, they can use uh, apples or nuts.
4: Tell them what you did this year. You were telling all of us here before. I'm outing you now, but I don't care. Okay, you you yeah. put a concoction together, didn't you? Yeah,
2: we made a pudding during the year, which was really well received with the customers. it was made with chocolate, sugar, uh, raisins and uh, orange. It was really beautiful and uh, the customers really loved it. But the chefs found out it was too sweet for their palate for their menus which I can understand but it's a, it's a, it's an argentinian recipe and uh, spanish recipe because they're using so many of their fruits that are available yes. there locally mm. so uh,
4: good uh, big hit with the customers the chefs not, not so sure well, I'd run with the customers if I were you but that's only my thoughts <laughs> um, look uh, your pudding I mentioned has been a rip-roaring success it's now stocked the length and breadth of the country and beyond what yeah. do you put it down to why have people taken to it so much You.
2: Come on, I'm trying to get to the ingredients yeah. here <laughs> no it's it's the fact that it's it's a traditional pudding made with fresh okay. pink blood and it's smoked. That's the key. it's smoked
4: it's smoked it's smoked it's just
2: okay, yeah. okay, and the national black pudding day that we're launching next Sunday week, I want to encourage every butcher that makes black pudding to do something in their own shops to commemorate that special food that we make. In our stores every day of the week. Like locally, you look around your own county of Loud and and county Mead. I mean, you have the Callens and RD and Bettystown, and you have Tommy and Eddie Chute here in Drahada. That's, you know, I think they're the only people around, butchers around that are making it locally here. Yes. And then myself and I don't know who, who makes it with fresh blood after that. Yeah, you know? okay. So this is what we're trying to encourage Butcher to go back to the old way of making the, the, the craft. And
4: this is the time of the year the beginning of November and, and what, what day will the Sunday be the National Black Pudding Day yeah, that particular yeah, day? You're yeah. dedicating that as National Black Pudding Day on the yeah, Sunday. Yeah and Doreen will be launching that. So make sure for your brekkie on that day you have the old pud and the uh, Irish fry you know what I mean? The fry on the Sunday morning. Let's talk to another wonderful lady who's joining us today and I'm delighted to meet her on Late Lunch. She's so welcome. Ellie Kasyambe is with us. Ellie, you're welcome to LMFM Radio on The Late Launch.
6: Thank you so much, Jerry, for having me.
4: Thank you for coming to us today. You are a remarkable woman, may I say. You came to Ireland from Mali. How long ago? How many years ago?
6: Uh, from Malawi. so Malawi, sorry. Uh, yeah, so it's almost a decade, 2011, so it's almost, you know it decade now
4: and you've had a battle on your hand ever <laughs> since you came and, and that <laughs> battle goes on today yeah, yes
6: yeah yeah it does it does but uh, you know like uh uh this is the spirit that you know like even when Olivia she was speaking about the food about the culture the passion that she brought and even now realizing that I'm coming from this battle coming from Malawi over to Ireland to seek sanctuary and you know trying to find myself in Ireland and now seeing myself well received and people appreciate my passion of cooking you know it's just a wonderful gift that you know like I can get here in Ireland as home.
4: You you know you've become part and parcel of the place and yet they won't give you that piece of paper I'll give it to you to say you're one of us
6: Yeah. (laughs) Why is this? Why can't you? Ah, yeah. So it has taken long, but, you know, like, fortunately enough, uh, in July this year, the minister decided to actually give me that piece of paper. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i didn't mention that yes
4: <laughs> well you're keeping that trying, quiet yeah. well you're keeping that a little bit <laughs> yeah. quiet were you? so, 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 so you're sorted are you so
6: i am sorted now so uh from uh july 14th i think that's yeah it was july 14th so that's when i received that piece of paper uh the the, the feelings are so mixed you know like sometimes you see like it's been a long time waiting but you know like the uh the biggest and fun part of my life is just to know that despite that I've been in that situation, you know, like Ireland has always been home and people they've always embraced me. People like Darina, the names that you're mentioning here and even the faces that we have on Sarwain Food Festival, you know, like people they've made me to feel that Ireland is home and the spirit of Irish people of five thousand of thousands of welcomes up actually received and embraced it and with somebody that i'm coming also from the food culture and with the passion of cooking and to see how the food is in ireland (laughs) they're actually bringing me like part of the uh as a part of the uh, sisterhood you know like it's it's great it's
4: really good it's great well look (laughs) there you go so yeah Look, it's been a a long time coming and and too long, really. And I I know you could talk at length about direct (laughs) provision and, you know, not Mm -hmm. knowing how you're fixed Mm -hmm. from from day to Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. But our table was something you founded with this in mind. Tell us a little bit about that.
6: Yeah, so our table was founded through this journey and the idea, as you've said, like of have carried a long battle. So after I found myself in direct provision, which when I was coming here, I didn't even actually realize that this is how long it's going to take. So, you know, like being in direct provision and not even being able to cook meals and also seeing many women and men not even being able to sit down on the table because I believe like tables are places where families do bond and sit down and tell each other how the days went and even food makes people to talk and you know like not having that opportunity you know like it's it's uh it's mentally, you know, uh, damaging and it can cause stress, you know, uh, d- depression. And it's just food, you know, that people take it for granted. But it's food and food is everything. You know, like that's why I always say like food is life because without food, I think we'll be like... S- like raising voices like the way we are doing. So, you know, being me going through that and realize that other 5,000 people we were going through that, I felt like there is a need to do something. So part of my work, like I got a uh, volunteer job with Irish Refugee Council and part of my work, I started growing gardens. And from there, you know, like, cause my mom uh, back home when my mom was alive, she had, she owned a farm. So like I grew up partly on the farm too. And then from there, you know, like I started raising gardens and you know, it wasn't enough But then, fortunately enough, I made a friend of mine, Michelle Damode, who was a foodie herself, a business lady. And uh, she said, like, I've heard asylum seekers are not being able to cook and even, you know, being able to go to the market and buy their own ingredients, which is, is part of therapy, you know, going to the market picking up tomatoes, like what, <laughs> what he said here like that, you know, like what H.M. Butcher said that, you know, like you mix like nuts, orange, you know, like just mentioning these colors of food, it's it's a great therapeutic way that people don't understand but it's a big thing to sit down and counting ingredients, so being not able to do that, it's something I felt like, no, you know, something can be done so when Mechera approached me I knew exactly what could happen with that gift, you know. So we started getting women from direct provision. I started organizing women and going out and we'll cook meals. We'll come maybe here. we we'll cook for 10 people. And people like you were like, "Oh, Ellie, you cook so well. And <laughs> why can't you cook? Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, my mama used to cook. My auntie, she was a very... Good cook, my mom, my my parents they they owned a bakery then, so you know like I, I have this in blood. So anyway, it grew and then we felt like why can't we set up a pop up cafe and see how it goes. So in twenty twenty. 15, we set up a pop-up cafe in Project Art Center for two days. It was, I think, a Saturday and a Sunday. And then that day, we fed over 700 people. And then people were like, wow, like, there were different food, like, on the table, like, food around the world. I know how to twist recipes. So, like, <laughs> so, like <laughs> you could make something. And, you know, like, people were like, this is fantastic. And we went out. And from there, we were like, all over in Dublin. And in 2016, uh September, we, we thought like, why can't we set up a three month pop-up cafe? So we did that. And it was a success. We fed over thousands of people and we made food like from middle Eastern, like South. And I'm coming from Malawi. So our Malawian, recipes are fusion cuisine which are they've got a twist of Mexican and Portuguese so like people loved our breads people loved the food so it was it was great and uh, after that pop up in in December and um it's when Michelle uh said to me like Ellie you might be going to Bali. Darina wants to have you. you know? <laughs> and like, you said yeah. when <laughs>
4: I'm ready to go.
6: Yeah, I was I was I was ready but I'll tell you like not ready than when I was there because when I was there it's when I go mentor like <laughs> and uh, and Darina I think she didn't know what to do with me because I was like a 2 year old child which is about to to start walking. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, listen, stop that walk for a second. I want to take a short yeah. break on late lunch. We're looking ahead to yeah. Sowen, the big festival in Kells, the first, second, and third of November. Stay with us on the show. Sowen is coming. And we know it's Halloween, but Sowen, the festival in Kells, Hinterland, Boyne Valley flavours, all coming together under the Sowen umbrella the first to the third of November. And we're talking about it on late lunch. And by the way, if you want to book any of the sessions that are happening, Hinterland. Dot .ie check it out now. We mentioned Hugh's one with Dorina, which is on the Sunday is it you? Yeah, you're that's on, right, yeah. you're on the Sunday. Ellie when are you on? On the
6: Sunday again.
4: Yeah. Your Sunday yeah, too as well again. your yeah, session sure. that's sold out after the last few minutes here and late lunch I can tell you already. <laughs> but just check it out for sure. Also with us today and I mentioned her at the start is Brona Conlin from the Stoke uh, Distillery and Gin School. Brona good to see you again. Will you tell us what's happening with gin?
1: Is gin still in? It is it's lovely to be here again thank you very much um, yeah well gin's still around there's still a lot of it happening Uh gin school moving along nicely as well um, but I suppose I'm wearing the gin hat and the Discover Boyne Valley hat with for the Hinterland Sound Festival um, it's just an amazing collaboration that's that's happening uh, next weekend the weekend after next the first to the third one of the things that we are involved in as a gin company is we have this a a fantastic long table supper it's on on the Saturday night uh, we're sponsoring the gin reception for it, um, and there'll be chefs from different chefs from around the country that are actually coming to cook the different the, the, the different courses. And it's just it's long table. It'll be just something else. Mm. It'll be an amazing atmosphere. Um, and then as as Ella was saying, the her our table brunch. On the Sunday morning, then yes. we'll have the celebration of the black pudding, of course, but also all of the fabulous, the fabulous, um, the fabulous uh, Malawian dinners, as, yes, as and well. dishes so that are going to be. It's, it's fantastic, yeah. Uh,
4: Russell. For, for you. You've been part of this movement for such a long time. You just yeah. see this as a, a another step in the evolution.
1: This this the, the hinterland festival is it's probably the biggest step we've seen in a very long time. Okay. It it's it's fantastic. Um I think part of it is because it is bringing um really the rest of the world not and a lot of Ireland into Kells into the Boyne Valley region and you know we we're too laxadic we too we're too quick to sit back and go oh I'm sure it'll be grand and not do anything. I'm just saying Get out there and go to And attend and some and of these events it. and enjoy them and yeah,
4: support it amazing. and learn from it as well. Others yeah. I want to mention Tara Walker, yes she'll be with us uh, next week on Late Lunch with our Flavours of the Vine Valley which she's working on all year. Uh, Tara's there on the Saturday with the gastro gaze, She warned me, you better mention that Jerry. that's happening on the Brilliant. Saturday early on in the day. I see Kalua Castle uh, are there as, as well, Olivia they, they've been with us on Late Lunch yeah, recently.
5: Kalua Castle, what visionary people are Alan and Lorena are actually that event is sold out would you believe already is it, is yeah it? they're doing a deer park walk um, and a, and a ven- venison tasting lunch but you can taste their venison on the menu on the Saturday night uh, we're going to have visiting chefs cook their venison which will be amazing mm. um, and yeah Tara Walker is opening up all the demos so the demos will take place in the hotel uh, she's opening up a great session celebrating Boyne Valley and everything to do with our own region and she'll be joined with the gas Gaze. and then the gastro gays are hosting a really fun session um, a live podcast in the courthouse Irish food cross examined what is Irish food? Where are we? What's our food culture? What, you know, what really is our identity now? Mm. Do we have to look to our past for our future and so on? And we have some other amazing other sessions like Food as Medicine by Dominique Kemp. Um, There is no Planet B. This will be hosted by Connor Spacey of Chef's Manifesto and Michael Kelly of GIY Ireland. What a great man. Yeah, he's amazing. And he's doing a a family session as well on how to grow your food for a year with That caught
4: my eye. There is no Planet B and there's a real message in that for sure. The island that doesn't eat fish. That's us. Yes. Yeah. And we're surrounded by water and we have more lakes than anything else, but it is a fact.
5: We have three very vocal people on that panel Sally McKenna, of course, who's written a book on seaweed, Niall Sabongi, who has his own boats out fishing around the coastal uh, line at the moment, and Brigitta Curtin, who, um, you know, smokes her own organic smoked salmon up from the burn. So that's going to be a very, very hearty debate as well. Mm. And why why don't we have that fish culture that we should have as an island?
4: Uh, and I also see, don't forget the humble. Spud and Maria yeah. Flynn. We have to give her a shout out from Bally Farm. She's in there as well, Absolutely. in the hotel, isn't she? Where, yeah. With a session on the potato. With
5: Porrick O'Gallagher and Martin ah. McNamara. We've some great food historians. Porrick said if boxy in the griddle and boxy in the pan and if you can't find boxy you'll never find a man <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know there's a great historical piece Regina Sexton is another really noted food historian and she's going to present a piece with Dorina. we're going to have a tribute to Myrtle Allen which will be ah, a very lovely. a lovely piece and, and her impact um,
6: on food culture
4: so Ellie are you all excited uh, for your session <laughs> in Kells
6: I am very excited and you know like I don't stress in the key Kitchen, I cook quite a lot, and when I see ingredients in front front of me, I just make like dishes and dishes mm. of food. So people, they should be excited. They are going to try Nyamachoma in Matoki, so they should come and see the translation of Nyamachoma in Matoki. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
4: even going to go there. Don't ask me to pronounce that. Y- you've said it brilliantly. I just take you at your words, to be honest. Some <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we still have rushes in the
0: so we're still so,
4: going to
6: so, have some. Rashies. So like beef, beef, it's called nyama. Like beef, it's called nyama. So choma, it's the uh, the, it's the bananas. So like the, these bananas are ate like Irish potato. I don't know why we call them Irish potato, but potatoes are Irish potato in Malawi. So like the oh. bananas, the, yeah. So these bananas are like Irish potatoes, but they cooked in with with lamb or beef or chicken or whatever, so they should come the and try this barbecue. You must come yeah. and try it. <coughs> yeah.
4: And you, uh, the Black National Black Pudding Day as well on the Sunday.
2: It is on the Sunday two o'clock. Yeah, looking forward to it, especially with the My first award, one of my first awards, was presented to me by Myrtle Allen, the late, with my Eurotalk award. So. Mm. It's it's They're very close to me and uh, you know you couldn't get better than, the, than to You
4: could desert. not get better. Quick last word before yeah. we're shot.
1: All I want to just say just quickly is everybody really should have a look at this. The cost to attend these is minimal. Yes. It's €5 Euros to attend a talk yes. and that's nothing. So a family of four are there for €20 Euros. and the demonstrations for you will get tasting prou- food after them is €10. Euros. So the cost is so, so low. It's really worth it. So they're only
4: giving it away at the I check it out but for the moment thank you all Ellie thank you thanks to Hugh thanks to Olivia and of course thanks to Brona. good luck with the hinterland and Samhain thank you very much thank you Jerry the late lunch with Blackstone Motors annual sales event now on the
1: 2019 Renault Clio and Capture have never been so affordable with no deposit required
0: call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors Drada and Dundalk
4: we were chatting about sound before the break and I have a pair of tickets to give away to one of the events at the festival it's the story of milk and farmhouse cheese and it'll be presented by master cheesemonger Kevin Sheridan you know him well and local cheesemaker the wonderful Michael Finnegan his beautiful blue and bond cheese is made out there near Slane in County Meath. Would you like to go along? It's at 5.30 on the Saturday evening the 2nd of November. Pair of tickets up for grabs on late lunch. Here's the tough question. Is Brie a softer a hard cheese. If you know your cheeses, you'll know that one. Brie, is it a soft or a hard cheese? So soft or hard, which is it? Answers please to 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text and we'll pick somebody for the tickets for the Sound Festival, 1st to the 3rd of November in Kells before the end of the show. Now, listen to this. Last year they dealt with 108 cases. 1400 appointments, and there remains a substantial waiting list of people to be seen. Victims range from 12 to the very elderly. And yes, the services provided by the Rape Crisis North East are increasingly in demand. And I'm delighted to tell you today I'm joined by the manager, Grace McArdle. Grace, you're very welcome to the show.
7: Good afternoon, Jerry.
4: Thank you for joining me. I have to say, first of all, those numbers shock me. Can I ask you this? Your 12 years manager there. Has the cases and the number of cases increased, decreased or remained sort of steady?
7: Oh, they've massively increased since when I joined now, um. Looking at our stats, um, I mean, I'm I'm only going to go back as far as 2012 in terms of stats. Um, our client um, appointments, um, I mean, our client appointments would have been around the 800 mark. And now we're at the 14, 1500 mark. Um, and really, um, if we had more counsellors, um, that would massively increase again, because we do have a huge waiting list. And then there's people um, who are on a waiting list that have come off because it's just too long to wait for an appointment so um, like it can go back to I mean I'd say our waiting list at the moment is about eight months um, for people to be seen within our counselling service isn't that terrible it is it's shocking I mean at the moment we have um, five um, professionally qualified accredited counsellors working for our service and they've all got the specialised training in in rape and um, sexual violence um, however, each of them are part-time, mm. so I don't have any full-time um, yes. counsellors. And as well as that, um, we're expected to cover Louth, Meath, Monaghan and Cavan. Um, so, four very large areas it to doesn't cover add up. with five part-time yes. counsellors.
4: I hear what you're saying. The workload is enormous for those people and they're stretched to the limit. Can I ask you this? Um, when somebody is raped, do they go to the guard of the authorities versus that's what they should do? Or do some people just come directly to yourselves?
7: Um, if it's something that has just happened, um, normally what happens is they will contact the guards. Um, they can also contact us as well. And then what happens is um, if it was a rape, the guard would bring them up to the local um, sexual assault treatment unit, yes. the local SATU ours being um, in the Rotunda Hospital um, now we can also accompany um, the, the survivor to the SATU as well if, if they wish
4: So if they come to you you'll do that as well
7: We can do that as well and now, Will
4: you necessarily get in touch with the guardie? then is that what you recommend to everybody
7: With a recent rape we um, the, the priority is is getting the medical attention. First. That's first and foremost, because um, for a number of reasons, um, sexual transmitted diseases, mm. if it's a woman, she could be pregnant. Um, so really to look after the physical care of, of the person. But once they do reach um, the rotunda, there is um, a psychotherapist there from Dublin Rape Crisis Centre as well to provide them with that emotional support okay. that they will also need too. Yeah.
4: Okay, now... When it comes to rape, in my mind, the vast majority of the victims are women. Am I right?
7: Um, the vast majority are women. Um, now, at our service, we we support both men and women. Um, mm. And really, regardless of their gender, their ethnicity, um, their sexual orientation or ability. Um, so we, we provide services for both males and females. Um, and we also provide services for adolescents as well. As you mentioned earlier, we, we support, um, we're, we're one of very few centres that will support young people from the age of 12. And and this is a very vulnerable age. And we're very um, fortunate because at our service, we do have um, specialised trained counsellors to be able to support young people from that age. And again, both boys and girls. Mm,
4: when you mentioned 12, my stomach just... Torrance sitting in this chair, I have to say. And then on the other end of the mm-hmm. uh, age profile, you, you you say very elderly. Give us a figure on that. How old?
7: Um, Really as old as old What's can the, get. Who's
4: the oldest you've come across um,
7: In their 80s.
4: Oh, my God almighty. It's just...
7: So they could be contacting us. This could be the very first time they have ever spoken about um, a childhood abuse or it could have been a rape as well, um, or sexual any sexual violence act. So it is. It's 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 certainly um, very um, tough to hear. You know mm. to know that people of that age group. Yes.
4: Yeah, so so you're, what you're saying to me, there's two aspects of that. Somebody can mm. carry something with them all their lives to an elderly age, but somebody can be raped at an, an elderly oh, age absolutely. as well. Absolutely.
7: And and you know we have clients at the service who ha- have been raped at an elderly age, and I suppose. Um, the difficult thing for that age group as well is is access to the service um, because they may not be mobile um, to be able to travel to the centre or they could be living at quite a distance and for somebody elderly to try and get transport, it's very difficult. Um, and um, so what we do to try and help them is... Um, and it's not something we do all the time, but for very special cases, we will give them that counselling support over a helpline. So we we'll, we build in that hour as a counselling appointment on the actual helpline. So it's separate from a, an, a different yes. helpline call. Um, so they don't have to travel. But it's just not the same as that face-to-face counselling support.
4: Absolutely. Now, you mentioned the numbers are up, but look at your yeah. caseload, the way it's increased as well. What's driving this increase?
7: Um. There's, oh look, there's a number of things, but I suppose some of the changes that I have seen since I've come on board the Rape Crisis Centre would be, um, um, I suppose we're now in that digital age of social media. And, um, you know, um, mobile phones are becoming more intelligent and cameras are being included on most um, 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 models and sharing information is becoming faster and easier. And couples are sharing images across mobile phones and um, not thinking of the consequences of this. And um, at the Rape Crisis Centre, we find that um, particularly with young people, um, you know, if an image is taken without their consent, if a photograph is taken without their consent, the impact this has on them, and even if they have agreed to that photograph been taken, um, they don't. They, they're not thinking ahead of what the consequences and the impacts that can have on young people, um, and and this is becoming um, more and more common. And we would have young people contacting us through our helpline um, to talk about um, what has happened. We have schools counseling career counselors contacting us um, because of what's happening with students at the moment and I suppose the impacts of that is um, for a young person um, they're they're not eating they're um, or you know they're um they're um, self-harming um, they're becoming depressed Um, They're isolated from their friends, so they're being bullied as well. So um, um, uh, some of them feeling very suicidal and, and yes, some of them taking their own life.
4: And and, and the link you're making there is what? By sharing photographs and that. How does that tie into actual rape? What's the link?
7: It's Just because um, it's... Um, the link is, although it's it's not an actual rape, it's still a photograph being shared that's inappropriate. Um, so it could be of a very sexual context, I a see. very sexual nature. Um, you know, it could be something that happened at a concert or there could be um, too much alcohol involved yes. and taking pictures I see what and not you're realising saying. the next day yes. what those photos so were. So you're, you're dealing with
4: cases where there's not perhaps a physical rape mm. as such, but that people are highly distressed.
7: Oh, absolutely. Because
4: of something that's been posted that really is private and should never have been seen.
7: And the impact of that is very similar to the impact of as if somebody has been raped, you know, in terms of the effect it has on that person. I mean, um, like we've dealt with a school where um, a very inappropriate image was taken of a young person and um, it was shared around all her friends. Um, Then their friends shared it around Rest A lot of other students and a lot of students were contacting us feeling guilty for having this image of this young person. And so it didn't only affect the person who had the photo taken of them. It also affected those around them as well. And that's a lot of young people and also the guilt of some of those young people for having that because, of course, it's illegal to take these photographs, these inappropriate photographs. And it's illegal to share them.
4: And yet that is not Mm. considered when it happens. You mentioned another aspect of this whole area of the sharing of images and the upshot of that and the sadness and devastation it brings. What's the solution, in your opinion, you know, where young people especially, you know, don't get this?
7: Um, Well, not just around social media, but in terms of also around... um, um rapes and sexual violence against young people. Like, first of all, we have very limited research and stats here in Ireland on young people. But the savvy report does show that over 20% of girls and 16% of boys um have experienced contact sexual abuse. And then um 10% of girls and 7% of boys non contact sexual sexual abuse. And from our experience um um, I'm not sure if it's the only answer, but the way to go is through education. Um, there's a huge pressing need to educate in primary schools and secondary schools. Now, ideally, I would love to see this happening in primary schools, but at the moment, it's not.
4: Are they ready? Are they ready? Wh- 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 what age in primary school? If
7: somebody is ready, if a kid is ready to own a mobile phone, they are ready. For this. It should be done before they actually get a mobile phone into okay. their hands. Now a couple of years ago all the rape crisis centres got together, all the managers got together in Galway and we spent a couple of days developing a really unique um, training programme. And it was funded through the Manuela Rido, I'm sure you've been familiar
4: oh, with that Manuela That that fella who was out and he, she yes. was there from Spain, was she? Um, so
7: Switzerland. So oh, sorry. Yep, she travelled in 2007 yeah. here and um, was Horrendous. brutally raped and horrifically hmm. murdered. And Owen Durkin, who's a, a teacher up in, in Galway, was part of the Manuela Rido Foundation so he facilitated this training with ourselves and we developed a just an excellent Manuela rider training programme and through our network Rape Crisis Network Ireland we sourced funding and then Tusla coordinated I suppose the whole management of how we were going to deliver this programme and basically what we did was we piloted in um, Dublin, Galway um, Wexford and Kerry and Knowing that we are so under-resourced, um, part of the programme was to train the teachers to deliver this programme to young people. Um, so the teachers w- um, went through a four-day specialised training programme. And it also gave them the confidence to be able to talk about sexual violence and healthy sexual relationships that beforehand... They would have felt a bit uncomfortable having that kind of conversation with the students, um, but it's currently been piloted now. And um, unfortunately, the program will come to end in two thousand and twenty. I think it's March two thousand and twenty. So they, we have we're in a number of schools in each of those four areas. It's transition year student, and um, it's the transition year that we've targeted because it's the one year um, that there's gaps that they welcome new training programs. And um, so far, feedback from the students have been absolutely excellent. They're loving it. It's done in a fun, communicative way. Um, it's it's holding their attention, um, and you know, it's taken the fear out of talking about, you know. Um, sexual violence and healthy sexual mm. relationships. Does it
4: cover off the area of objectivity? You know, I'm talking about the availability of porn across, the, you're talking about those phones now and young people see this and they think this is the norm, which it's far from the norm and there's no love or anything involved in it. Yeah. It's purely
7: It does. It, it goes Does it cover it. that? It does. There's an area called um, the world you live in. So the programme is broken up over um, a six-week period. So it has to be a double class, so nearly two hours. So there's 12 sessions in total. And one of those sessions is, is about the world we live in. Um, and for the kids, um, and it covers all social media, pornography, magazines, and gets the kids involved in doing some workshops around that. And it's very interactive and making them aware of the impact that it can have, like what I spoke about earlier, if they distribute an image yes. inappropriately and mm. the impact it has on a person. One thing I was, I remember talking to so many, they were telling me they were in a prison and they were visiting prison and there were people there from, you know, domestic violence and those from rapes, sexual violence. And they said that those who were responsible for rapes and sexual violence um when speaking with them, they didn't understand. They didn't see that it was going to have an impact on them afterwards. Did you know? Just thought it was there in the moment, but not realizing the lifelong impact it would have on a person and how it really changes their entire lives. Um, in comparison to the domestic violence, which is much more fire, you know, in terms of physical and um, yes. the violence behind that, where you can see the scars, whereas rape, where you can't see the scars as such. Um, but, um, and, and I suppose that's where we come in. um if 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 survivors can get to us as soon as possible, um it it lessens that impact because they're receiving that emotional support. Um, they're in a very safe place. um, they're working with a very professional, qualified counselor. um and I suppose the goal is for the survivor to be able to live with what happened to them, you know, in as normal a life as mm. possible.
4: Just by extension on that, if there's somebody listening to us today who's living with having been raped at any stage in their lives and they've kept it to themselves, what do you say to them today?
7: You know, it's, it's for somebody who has been raped, it's, it's very difficult for them, um, I suppose, um, to come to terms that they have been raped and they have been sexually abused and to admit that. Um but what I would say to them is is pick up the phone and call our helpline um because somebody will always be there to listen to what they have to say and to provide them with the support and the information um and then if need if they feel that they're able to take the next step then to to come in for counseling um it's a it's a very brave step for any survivor to to make that first call um, and that first call is always the most difficult. But after that, it does get easier and easier and easier for them to contact us and to speak with us.
4: And there's a huge benefit in this because it must be like, how do I know? But it'd have to be a burden that's impacting on your life, you know, psychologically, in the way you interact with people and that. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen this.
7: Absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, the benefits to Survivor... Um, Look, we, we did a piece of research and in that research what we did was, you know, we were trying to find out from survivors like, you know, what the they feel they're getting from our organisation? What is that? And I suppose the main things they were saying that they were getting from us was, of course, um, to be reassured that it's not their fault. Because there's a lot of self blaming in in sexual violence, so um, first and foremost, that the reassurance is not their fault. Um, clients had said to us that they felt safe, that the service gave them hope, um, that they didn't feel judged. They felt it was the beginning of their recovery. Um, they they, heard, they learned how to um, they learned new coping skills um, to have trust in a person um, and. Uh, for some clients it's really saved their lives
4: my that's a powerful Mm. few words to say isn't Mm -hmm. it to save a life
7: yeah it really is
4: I want to give out the number. If you're listening today and you're affected by anything we've been talking about, this is the number you need. So if you want to take a minute and grab a pen or if you can put it into your phone there or whatever, this line is open. You can call this number at any stage, yes, even leave Um, a message, can you? Or is there there hours on it?
7: It's nine to five um, from Monday to Friday. However, if it's after five, Dublin Rip Crisis Centre is also available to take the call. And if it's... If they want to be referred to our service, Dublin will organise that. If it's to after come hours. back, okay. Yeah.
4: But this number, this is the number if you want to call them at Rape Crisis Northeast. It's one eight hundred twenty one twenty one twenty two. So it's an easy number to remember: one eight hundred twenty one twenty one twenty two. And they'd be only delighted to take your call. Look. I had lots of things here to talk to you about today and I knew time would beat us. Mm -hmm. Will you come back to me?
7: Of course I will. I'd love to
4: have you back because there's lots more that we'd like to talk about as well and important aspects of this. You're doing a great job. And I just say today to anybody listening out there that has a bit of influence, these people need more resources Five part-time counsellors and this woman working all the hours that God can send her. Come <laughs> on. It's something that we really need to get financial support behind. And you know in Ireland, well, there's a will, there's a way. And there's always a few pounds to be found. Yeah, Until absolutely. the next time. Uh, mm. Thank you so much, Grace McArdle, for joining us on the show. I wish you well with your work.
7: Thank you, Jerry. Thank you.
4: Now, you know we're running our Home Instead Senior Care Unsung Hero here on Late Lunch all year. And we're nearly there for the 12 months. And we've had some wonderful winners. But I have to say, our September winner, Cathy McGrain has brought unprecedented praise and comment from listeners and people I've bumped into since she was nominated recently by Mary Hewitt. And guess what? The pair of them are in studio today. Mary Hewitt is here and the young woman herself, Cathy McGrain, is with me. You're both welcome to the show. Thank Thank you for joining me. Cathy, may I say again to you, congratulations on your wonderful win. But this is not the first time... I have beside me here, what's this I have here? Heart of gold. And the weight of it, it is an actual heart, isn't it? Yeah. With gold in it. Who presented you with this? David Morris. Oh, the man who ran for president, was it? When was that? A few years back, was it? Yeah. 60. Uh, 2006. 2006. Okay. And, And that was one. But you've been nominated for others as well, haven't you?
8: I got the Freedom of the League. Yeah. Community Award as well. Lovely. This is my fourth award. Is
4: it, that you've got now from uh, yeah. Home Instead and LMFM Radio. I want to find out a little bit more about you. W- where are you from originally? I'm
8: originally from Arcat.
4: And your own family, uh, how many were in your own? How many brothers, sisters had you?
8: There was four boys and eight girls. There was 13 in the family? Tw- 12. 12? Yeah. and there's 12? There's one boy alive, and the eight girls are still alive.
4: Ah, oh, my oh my, a big family.
8: Yeah, my mother died, and the baby was only two year old. And
4: did your dad raise?
8: Yeah, well, between the friend us all.
4: Yeah, the older ones got stuck in. Yeah, well, they, they, I, I
8: was the oldest, you see. I was there for a few years, and right. My next sister took over then. So.
4: And he's got on right? ah, oh, your poor ma'am. <laughs> what age was that child again when she Journey died? Twenty two. Oh, Lord of mercy. Yeah. And uh, you come from that big family, 12 children in it. What did you do? Where did you go to school? Our cat And what happened when you finished school? What did you do, do then?
8: Well, I was at home for a couple of years and then I went
4: to Dublin. And yeah. did you work there? Mm. What did you work at? Domestic. In, in a household? Yeah, yeah. Do you love that type of work?
8: Yeah, <laughs>
4: so I'm still at it. It's hard work, isn't it? It's yeah. not easy. No. So so you're in Dublin and you're working away. Are you living in Dublin at yeah. the time? Yeah. And how did you meet your husband, Peter? It was through Camogie. Camogie? Yeah. My, her, his sister-in-law
8: was on the team with me in St Mary's. Right. And that's how we met.
4: And that's a local club in Meath or a club in Dublin? No, it was in Dublin. In Dublin. Mm. And you met him there? And
8: I met him through Harbour. Right,
4: OK. And what year did you get married? 62. And many children, have you? I
8: have three, a boy and two boys and a girl. OK.
4: Mm. Um, Peter passed away a while back, yeah, did he? 84. Right, 84, OK. Five. And um, when you when, when you think about your life and all you did, what's your earliest memories? Because I have to tell them, this woman is <laughs> 90 years <laughs> young. You're not codding me around no, now. No, I'm not. You are 90? 1929. What's your earliest memory? What do you remember first, if you think back?
8: sports was my life. Really? All over. And even to this day, I'm playing bowls. Are you? (laughs) From the youngest day was sport. Partaking
4: in sport? You mentioned camogie clubs. Going to sports. Going Going to to
8: sports when we were younger. And then I joined camogie clubs. And when my husband died, then I joined the pitch and putt. In I hear
4: league. you were, I hear you were handy at the pitch and <laughs> put, were you?
8: And then when the pitch and put folded up in the leak I went to Rafai
4: mm.
8: pitch and put and then the, I my friend passed away that I used to play with mm. And I took up the bowls in the village with the act of retirement.
4: Great. Right. And you're playing to this day? Yeah, every Tuesday. Are you able to get the old bowl <laughs> close to the jack, do you yeah? Yeah, I can, yeah. Oh, I'd say you have a nice I just look at the glint in your yeah. eye, I'd say you're a real competitor, are you? You like to win? Yeah. <laughs> oh, she does, I know it. What do you say about her? Come on, come into the conversation here and uh, and join us, Mary Hewitt. Is is she I like do. that?
8: She is, yeah. Yeah. She's she would be <laughs> Never stops. I don't know where she gets her energy from. Yeah. Yeah, she'd actually put many people much younger than her to shame.
4: Would she? Ah, yeah.
8: Yeah. And that's,
4: of course, one of the reasons Mm. why you nominated her, for sure.
8: Well, the main reason was when my mum was alive, she was sick for five years or so, and, like, there's 11 in my family, and we'd all take turns in helping mum and doing bits and pieces for her. But nothing lifted her spirits more than when she'd see Cathy coming. Because Cattie would fill her in and all the gossip from round the village. and <laughs> Stuff that we would have absolutely no interest in. <laughs> and Mam would know who Cattie was on about. We wouldn't have a clue. Uh, yes. But- it just lifted her spirits and she looked forward to seeing Kathy coming.
4: Every time. Yeah. Listen to this. Oh, Jerry, what a woman you have with you on the show today. She's the most amazing, decent, beautiful human being with that heart of gold that you're talking about there. It's the size of a mountain. So deserved. Keep on rocking, Cathy, <laughs> says a listener to us this afternoon. Hey, you were chatting to Hugh Maguire on, a, on, on the way out there. You uh, know yeah, him, I do know you? I know him for
8: years, yeah, and
4: yeah. the mother. You know the whole lot of them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
8: Well, first of all, I'll have to thank Mary for nominating me.
4: Yes. Uh, Come into that microphone there. Go on.
8: Yeah. And um, anyone that congratulated me personally and on Facebook and on a phone, thank them all. And I even had a call from Canada that listens to you every day. Right. And they gave me a shout, didn't they? Gave me a shout, yeah. <laughs>
4: Brilliant. So You want to thank all of those Thank people. all of them. Delighted. Yeah,
8: well, my other business, yet yeah, we haven't come into it yet, is recycling clothes.
4: Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Now, just park that there for a second. I want to ask you something else. You have a pin on your lapel there. Yeah. And I'd say that's a special pin. I take it you're a pioneer. I am, yeah. And what's that pin there for? 60-year pioneer. You never took a drop? No. And tell me the story, people still give you a drink for presents and that, do they? Yeah. <laughs> what do you
8: do when you get it? Oh, I get used for it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> There's always use for a bottle or two here or there, is there? Yeah. How important is the man above to you, your faith? Oh, very much.
8: Very much so. You've a huge belief, have you? I have, really and truly. Of different things that happened to me through my life now that faith comes to it.
4: And you know, faith has been knocked for an awful it lot has. of people in yeah. the country, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah
8: well, my son now, he was only 16, he took a stroke. And faith got us through that time. It really did.
4: And other times, you say, in your life as well, you yeah. can say. Yeah,
8: well, bit. my husband died suddenly too. Mm. And faith, you can't do it without it.
4: And you know when things like that happen to you you lost your mum at a young age yeah. you lost your husband suddenly that yeah. happened to your son does it not knock you? Do you no, not wave no, off?
8: no No Never? <laughs> no I keep going Would it deepen you? Would, would, no. Uh, no 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 I wouldn't say why me, no
4: Yeah Incredible yeah. Um, Do you drive still? Yes, yes. Somebody told me you're, you're driving away
8: <laughs> Yeah Do you have to apply for the
4: licence every year? Or well what I'll happen?
8: have to apply now next year Right. I, I only get it for a year now when you come a certain age I see
4: but you love being able to be independent and, in- and get and around mass, yourself yeah. and all that Yeah. now come on to the clothing I know you're dying to tell me about <laughs> this what do you do with the clothes well now it started
8: a good few years ago the guards had a meeting in the village hmm. and they were looking for somebody to take over putting in the alarms with the senior citizens and the ICA took over they said they take it over. So that's where it started. That's, what, 25 years ago. Okay. And it started in my kitchen with two friends that are no longer with me. And then it went from strength to strength. We were able to sell the clothes. Mm. And the good clothes went to the cancer shop. We're 25 years supplying the cancer shop. Okay. And we're able to buy with the clothes we sell we're able to buy the alarms because we get no benefit from the government whatsoever Mm.
4: we have to make the money and these alarms are what alarms the
8: ones you're putting your wrist oh I know I know Yeah, yeah. if
4: anything happens you send an alert yeah yeah. Yeah, well
8: we're doing them now since uh, 60 years anyhow so so you take in clothing and sort 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 out. yeah well I have to thank my team that does it with me now I have a team on a Wednesday and the good stuff goes to the cancer shop and then we sell the rags and get the money yeah. which buys the alarms. It's and horrific. it only costs the person that gets the alarm €65 Euro a year.
4: Yeah. Okay, but we don't
8: get any benefit from the government I know, whatsoever.
4: I know. But you see benefit in recycling the clothes and you're yeah. doing a great job for the environment as well. Yeah, yeah. Tell me this while I have you today. I'm really now getting uptight and personal with you here. I'm thinking to the future. What's the secret of a great, long, healthy life?
8: Well, <laughs> I could not tell you that now. <laughs> I
4: thought she was going to say, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you, and that'd be the end of it then. There'd be no longevity for Just
8: me. keep going and keep interest in life. Yeah. Do you know? Like, now I'm there and these people, the public now, we could not do without them, the way they're supporting our closed bank. Yes. And I'm meeting them every other day and... I think that's what keeps me going. Hmm. Interest in life, uh, yeah.
4: being active, yeah. involved.
8: Yeah, that's
4: what it is. What about food? Do you do you eat oh, any particular type of foods?
8: Well it's just the old fashioned bacon and cabbage.
4: <laughs> Loads of it. <laughs> lots <laughs> of it. Good butter, yeah. milk, cups yeah. a day. Yeah. You name it. Yeah, none none of this trash. <laughs> <laughs> God, I, we could start another debate on that for sure, <laughs> Cathy. Well, you must be thrilled that this woman has received the nomination, Mary. Mm, yes. Did, yeah. Yeah, mm, you've yeah. got a real good one, haven't you? Oh, yeah. And you, I'm sure you've heard this back, as we have, yeah. from so, yeah. so many people. Yeah.
8: She's one of a kind. Yeah.
4: And, you know, people like you are just priceless, I have to say, Cathy, in a community for what you do for others as well. Well, yeah. anyway, today... I'm not
8: in the power. That's the way I look at
4: it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, you're a dynamo out in the league. They love you to bits. I'm getting loads of messages in here about you as well. What a great lady you have there. Cathy's my neighbour. Such a wonderful person. I love it when she calls to me. She brightens up my day every day, says Francis. Do you know Francis? Yes, Francis New. Like and there's more coming there as well. Anyway, we'll see you at the big event in December for all the unsung heroes. Is oh, that all please, right? Oh, please God. Thank you for dropping in to me on Late Lunch today. And thank you, Mary Hewitt, for yeah, uh, nominating a wonderful you. lady. Cathy yeah, McGrain, for the moment, thanks a million. Thank, thank you thank very you. much. 10, 20, 40. I'm not talking about fertiliser. I'm talking about Team Carrie and the Dublin City Martin. And would you believe for the last time, after 10 years, I'm at training this evening, the final training session. What do we mean by the 10, 20, 40? Well... It's 10 years of Team Carry, 20 weeks to the marathon and the 40th Dublin City Marathon and joining me this evening are our crew Ian Pat Carroll, Rachel Kelly and Sarah McCann and of course the man himself David Carry,
3: is here. Is it a sad poignant evening for you? It's great to be looking back Jerry, and looking forward at the same time. I just can't believe it's 10 years since we arrived and up and opened the doors here at the club rooms here and, and set up with 18 people and 10 years later, here we are with the, the final batch. We have about 130 running it this year, and it's been a brilliant 10 years, as me, as I'm loving it, I'm, everyone's buzzing tonight and uh, we can't wait to get going now on Sunday, the 40th Dublin Marathon, and I'm delighted that late lunch has been with us right from the very start. Mm. We launched it, as you know, in uh, 2010 on your show, Jerry late lunch, and you're still here and still supporting us, and I'm delighted mm. you're coming up in the day. It's going to be an amazing day again. The forecast is quite good. Mm. It's very good at the minute, between 6 and 10 degrees and sun, so we'll take that. So we're just hoping that the, the, the water holds out as uh, forecasted at the moment, but it's been a brilliant 10 years, it's been a brilliant 20 weeks, I hope all the listeners out there enjoyed everyone you know, over the years, we have great representatives over the years, and, and I know they're right behind our, our late lunch uh, marathon runners this year, uh, Sarah Ian, Pat and Rachel, they're going, they're going to be amazing they've done all the training, you know they're getting excited, they're, Nervous, or you know, to hit the road once dressed up as a chicken. Here, we're going to make it a great day out, and you know, uh, it's been fantastic And they're great representatives. And you know what, they really are role models for our team as well. They're leading by example by getting up there, and they're, they're like team captains on Team Harry.
4: They certainly are. Let's talk to the man dressed as a chicken tonight, Ian Pat Carroll. What the hell is going on? I've seen you in this before, but why are you wearing this outfit this evening? Well, it's, it's
9: a final year. I've, I've always appeared in this from time to time. It's not a it's squeaky mascot, so, <laughs> you know, it might a big squeaky, it's a rather small squeaky.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, how are you feeling? We're just, say, less than 72 hours uh, away from the Dublin Marathon.
9: Oh, is it a marathon on? No, there no, is. I, I'd never guessed. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, I'm nervous about it, but look at, you know, it's been a, it's been a wonderful 10 years. It's a bit emotional. You know, I've been here from the start, and hopefully, I'll be there on Sunday and give it a, my best shot. As a, that's the plan. That's all I can do. Hope for the best. You've run every one of them. I've run every one of them. Well, run I'll use loosely. I've I've taken part, and to me, it's taking part. It's not always about time. It's been out there and just doing what you can. And you know, as I always, as I said from day one, give yourself a target time. First couple of miles, do what you can. If it's not going to happen for you, you don't speed up and try and. You just sit back, relax, get across the line. If you push yourself up too hard, you won't finish.
4: What will you do it in this year?
9: Uh, well, before dark, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> it better be well before dark, let me tell you, Mr. Carroll. I'm hope- look, I'm hoping my-, my ideal would be between 4.5 and we say 4.45. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm. It happens it happens it doesn't doesn't
4: the other thing is besides uh, uh, entertainment manager you are a catering manager here in Dunleer as well Yeah. the pork goes on the, the biscuits are, are out a few the fi- cakes are ready yes.
9: I have a few figures here over the last 10 years come on throw them at us about 22,500 mugs of tea coffee 8,000 tea bags 10 kilograms of coffee 40 kilograms of sugar, about 800 litres of milk and
4: 6,000 litres of water. In the name of God, how did you ever do a marathon? <laughs> With great difficulty. <laughs> oh, you have to fuel the engine. Wonderful you have those stats tonight. Listen, I'll see you on the bus early in the morning uh, on Sunday and at the line and at the finish as well. You will indeed, Jerry. Thanks a million. Well done to you. Ian Pat, Carroll there. There's a newbie hopping from right to left foot here, anxious to go. Said to me a moment ago, Hey, twenty weeks are over. I have to run a marathon.
0: Yeah, I know. Nobody told me that. <laughs> Sarah McCann, you are
4: in fine form. Yeah,
0: no, I am. I'm delighted. I'm just. I'm, I know it's obviously, it's for Davidson and, and everybody else. It's a bit of a sad night for me. I'm kind of buzzing because it means, oh my god, in a couple of days I'll run my first marathon. But obviously, I'm aware of of, of the team and everything. And it's just been a, it's been a good week and a bad week. I had another cold, but thankfully it's gone these things happen, you know, you get a bit run down. Um, but last week we showed the documentary that I made about Team Carrie here with the gang, uh, Turtles and Hares, the Team Carrie marathon runners. And it was really weird watching it with the whole gang again because um, it was just lovely in the room afterwards and the people who hadn't seen it got to see it. So we had a lovely kind of night. So that was a really, really lovely way to almost tie it all in for me because then day I was inspired to run the marathon after spending 2016 recording with Team Carrie. So it was kind of a... It was a weird weird but lovely moment and now I'm like, oh my God, it's week 20. I can't tick the box anymore to show that I'm here. I have to go and actually run the marathon. (laughs)
4: You do and you will. And just back to the last time we met you had a difficult time with injury how is it
0: it's actually okay thank god yeah it was just um massage wonderful most wonderful thing in the world weekly massages taking care of it um giving it a bit of rest in a way when the tapering two weeks came it probably did me the world of good because it allowed me to get that much needed rest in as well you know um so actually it's feeling fine at the moment so like i'm buzzing for sunday i can't wait i know it's going to be really tough jerry i do like i'm not under any illusions whatsoever but i just honestly can't wait i'm so excited for it do
4: you think you'll sleep the evening no. before and the night?
0: <laughs> I hope I do. I'm trying to get as much sleep as I can this week. I made the fatal mistake of having a very busy week last week. and then, um, But this week I've kind of cleared the diary, trying to get to bed as early as I can. Um, so I, I, I kind of know and I've read some... Gary O'Hanlon has some really good marathon hints and tips and he's like, get to bed as early as you can all the nights before, because the very night before you mightn't sleep, but if you've got a good bank of sleep, you know, the rest of the time. So I don't think I'll sleep that much, but hopefully I'll sleep a little.
4: (laughs) See you Sunday early. Thank you. (laughs) Rachel Kelly, how are you? Just for Sarah, uh, being a newbie there, you've been through this many times. Did you sleep well? Do you sleep well beforehand?
10: No, Jerry. I don't sleep very well. And when I just hear Sarah talk about her first time, I'm actually jealous of her because <laughs> it's nothing beats running around out of the very first time and uh, she's going to absolutely love it. Now, for me, I'm excited, but I also know what's ahead of me as well. So I don't know whether I'm fearful and I'm excited at the same time. It's a mixture of emotions that I'm feeling. Do I sleep well the night before? No, I don't. Probably, possibly uh, the whole week, maybe <laughs> before, I don't sleep that well. But I just have to mind myself, drink plenty of water and just got well, myself up can cotton wool.
4: The marathon count for you is how many? How many will this be on Sunday?
10: Uh, this will be my seventh marathon on Sunday, my third double marathon
4: in a row. So you know what it's all about. I Come do. on, like Ian Pat here, he's been here every year as well. You're at number seven. So surely like you're, you're, it's like getting on a bike if you haven't ridden it for years, away you go again.
10: It's funny because every marathon has a different story and different mindset and how you feel about it. Now this year I'm just going to completely enjoy the Dublin Marathon. I don't really mind about the time. I mean, no injuries and I'm just going to completely enjoy it and go out, absorb it all in and thank all the volunteers that you'll be at the side or the children, high five them and just... It, it's absorbed every mile of it, to be honest, yeah.
4: So you look at Year 10 with Team Carrie, is really a lap of honour for you.
10: Certainly is a lap of honour now at this stage.
4: Look, it's uh, some feat to run a marathon, but to complete seven is simply remarkable. Sunday, your plans afterwards, are you going to celebrate? Oh yes, we
10: are going to celebrate. We all go. We all go back to the hotel. We have a shower, and you will never see us. all oh, look so gorgeous. We just look amazing after running a marathon. Have a few drinks, some food, and we just all get together. And it's always, always a fantastic night. At the coming home with the bus, There's always sing songs, mm. and it's just a great, great night. I'm, I'm actually really excited. I can't wait for now.
4: Well, look, I can't wait either, and I'll be with you on Sunday. Look forward to seeing you from the early hours and being with you at the finish line as well and getting all your reactions when you've completed Year 10 with Ian, Pat, yourself, Rachel, 7, and 1st uh, for Sarah <laughs> McCann. David, great crew.
3: Oh, amazing. And, and overall, Jerry, these guys would have run anything between six and 800 miles, and uh, we've hit all the milestones along the way. Year 1 was a one-year project, as you know and we said, oh, we'll go for 5 we got a five hundred finisher that year, so we 're really celebrating this year. and the fact that it 's ten years we 'll have our thousand finisher and we 'll also have raised over four hundred thousand for charity so I think it 's just wonderful time to uh, you know uh, say team carry ten years, celebrate and uh, move on to other things.
4: When you mention those figures, it is remarkable what you've achieved with this team. All the people you've taken to the marathons, uh, the joy you've given them, the feeling of achievement as well, and at the same time raising that enormous sum of money. It's just incredible. You're one of the most inspiring men and people that I've ever come across, yourself and Aileen and all the crew, and I'll miss you.
3: Ah, oh, Jerry, we, we, we're not going. We're not going too far away, and uh, you know you've you supported the team from the first year, and I'm looking forward to being uh, one of the first shoulders I'm going to see when I cross the finish line <laughs> is going to be Jerry Kelly, <laughs> and uh, oh looking through the year, Louise, and Deirdre, and you know all, the, the, the late lunch and LMF have, have been have been great to us, and I want to take the opportunity to to wish everyone that's running the Dublin Marathon on Sunday, if it's your friend, your partner, your brother, your sister, your auntie, your uncle, your cousin. Your nephew, anybody give them, a, give them a little bit of support, they're going to need it, they've trained hard and uh, it'll be well worth it in the end and I'm sure they'll have a way of thanking you as well for supporting them, but if you know anyone that out there is doing the Dublin Marathon, wish them the very, very best of luck.
4: Ah, lovely words to finish on this evening in Dunlear, I let you go because you're all away on your togetherness run, is that what I call it, the, the final run?
3: The celebration run. Come
4: <laughs> team <laughs> Harry! Come team <laughs> Harry!
3: There you have it. They're in great fettle here in Team
4: Carrion. Next up for me is the Dublin Marathon on Sunday. And of course, uh, after the bank holiday Monday, we'll be back on late lunch with all the action and atmosphere and finding out how our crew get on on Sunday in Dublin. Until then, good luck to everyone in Team Carrion. As David said, to everybody taking part in the marathon, have a great run on Sunday. Thank you to Michelle Cunningham for the lovely words. See you on Sunday, Michelle. Rose Healy, about our marathon memories. Lovely to hear from you, Rose. You know the Ethiopians, the great marathon runners? Yes, everybody will be running like an Ethiopian on Sunday. But on late lunch, we're leaving you, walking like an Egyptian. See you tomorrow at half one.
0: Late lunch with Blackstone Motors' annual sales event now on. One-off price reductions and special APR finance available during this event. Call in today and save thousands at Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dundalk.
4: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.